Hey there, if you would like ad-free and early versions of these episodes, as well as bonus episodes, movie club episodes, and lots more, head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. Make believe, it's not pretend, we might be but we're on the mend. It never starts, it never ends, welcome to Craig and Friends, welcome to Craig and Friends, welcome to... There we go. There we go. There we are. Uh, yes, and that beautiful voice you hear is the voice of none other than Sam Sparrow. Hello. <laughs> we both kind of have these like baritone. <laughs> Lull you to sleep. Yes. Yes, relax you. Relax. Or let's Just say sexy voice. I think settle that's. Settle in. Yes, yeah, settle in. It's going to be a good time. Listen up. Lots you of stuff. You might learn something. You may not. You may forget something. I know I will. Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to get confused. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Craig. Hi, Sam. It's so nice to see you. It's so nice to see you, too. It's been so long. Crazy long. Uh, Almost two years. I remember chatting with you in London, sick in bed on the phone, worried about whether they were going to close the borders and all that. Yeah. When was that? February, March? Yeah, March. Right around the the time that the the lockdown. I remember you said... It's a good thing you got out of there before they closed the borders. And I was laying in London and I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, re- I didn't realize you were still there. No, I was uh, le- departing, I think, the day after or maybe two days after or something like that. Yeah. I may have moved my flight up. I think you did move your flight. I did. I, did. I was like, girl, you better get yeah. home <laughs> quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you were. And then um, Jason had a similar thing. For some reason in my head, it was like, well, when I get home, everything will be okay. Do you know? Because he had these Yeah, it was like of- two weeks to flatten the curve. <laughs> How long ago was that? I think I was rapid cycling between knowing like, oh my God, we're in for a bad time. But you and Jason helped me sort of go over that because also I was in this weird, I think I had COVID basically. That's what we figured out. That I had some version of it that didn't affect my olfactory senses, okay. but did do a number on my stomach. It's all because I had yeah, the night sweats. Really and- sick. Yeah, I was so sick. Yeah, I know a few people that had early COVID kind of before it was like Sheep. established. Yeah, before, <laughs> you know, before all Everyone the girls were getting it. it. Um, <laughs> and I don't think they knew at the time yeah. that, that it was that. Because there was reports and I was terrified of catching it. But all the reports seemed to be totally different. It was just basically like, if you get this, you total shutdown. Yeah. You get total shutdown. Don't see anyone. Don't t- don't go nowhere. Don't touch nothing. And, and maybe don't go to the hospital because uh, you'll just die there faster. I went to the hospital so many times in 2020. I had a bicycle accident. Oh, my God. That's right. I remember... This also harkens back to, you know, you'd see, like, uh, or not see, but there would be an absence of presence of in your life from everyone right right and then something horrific happens and then you suddenly remember they existed all it looks like is like there's just pain mm-hmm. do you know because no one was in the mood we for, weren't for... posting i mean what's interesting about sitting in pajamas <laughs> and watching terror watching cnn all day <laughs> eating pints of ice cream that's not that interesting no it's not and plus you're like i'm not taking a photo like this what are you talking about yeah yeah what ice cream did you get into um, I, I'm a, okay, my favorite, there's this Haagen-Dazs that's got like caramel cone in it. Oh do you know yeah, I do. I do know what you oh, mean. Oh, it's deadly. <laughs> it's deadly. Don't do it. Stay awake. Once you pop, 
you you can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> the lid never goes back on. Oh no, because mm-hmm. there's a whole activity then. Then you're activating the cone. Yeah. Right? And you're getting crunchy, you're getting sweet, <laughs> salty. It's Oh, forget about it. Once you're you're done. Yeah. And it's not even a layer, it's the middle. Mm-hmm. It's the center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's like a nuclear reactor, really, the centrifuge. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just a lot of eating and sitting. Well, especially after your bike accident. What happened with that? Uh, so I, you know, I think we'd been in lockdown for a few months and I was like, I need to get outside. I need to get some fresh air. I need to get moving. I need to just, you know. So I got a mountain bike and I live near kind of some mountain trails. Didn't Had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> just thought it's a bike. You get on it. You go up, you go down. And you go up the mountain because it's a mountain bike. Yeah. and. When you go down the mountain, <laughs> if you hit your brakes, yeah, you will fly off the bike. Oh no! And so I, I went flying face first. I broke my nose. I had a, stitches on my chin. Right. Um, broke my elbow, oh my which God. is like about a year recovery. That's in the top five of the hardest to heal bones, right? I would think so. But it was because it was like in a cast and I wasn't moving it for a few months once that was over I couldn't straighten it it took like months to be able to even straighten my arm it had been kind of like fused in a oh L shape did you have the feeling like well that's that for guitar <laughs> <laughs> yeah or anything Do you know yeah what I mean? like, anything I mean it was like I had to have my husband like cut my food up <laughs> It was so so basically uh like a morale boost is what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a downer, but it also was like okay, well there's nothing to do, just sit in bed and watch movies and mm-hmm. Did you get yeah. into any specific genre of movies or trash pile? I we have a similar thing about bad movies, I think. Yeah, and but also good movies. Well, that's the we thing. Like, when we we like, like films. And we like good bad movies. Yes, we do. And bad good movies. Absolutely. Mediocre films, though, you can keep No, yeah. not interested. No, thank you. I, well, as you know, I got really into like compulsively buying VHS tapes the Which year, the year I before. Love. And I tried to encourage as much as possible. It's a cheap habit. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to like go into debt buying vhs tapes right although you know there are one or two that, that are like 700 dollars. yeah something like the texas chainsaw massacre on meta home video yeah there's like some niche horror ones mm-hmm. that are really expensive there's a new label that prints up vhs on the pal format so you'd have to get a pal player but they they fo- make new movies yeah and they managed to find you'll know this uh focus video uh-huh right those boxes mm-hmm. so that's for those uh outside of australia that was a company that was like on every video box, right? Yeah. And there, inside there would be an inlay where it said like other hot titles coming up. Beverly mm-hmm. Hills Cop 2. This guy wanted to make a new VHS um, label and couldn't find any of the old molds. They'd all been destroyed for those cases, the hard shell, clamshell cases. He found 10,000 of those focus video cases. So now every one of Blank. his new titles. Yep. But with the Focus Video stamp on the front. Amazing. So the, new, the the company's called, I think, XVHS. I'll put a link in the bio for anyone else who has the addiction. <laughs> and he puts out like... It's a, such well, a niche addiction. It is. But his <laughs> stuff, he puts out Blu-ray VHS uh, packages. One of them is a Eurocrime documentary, which is sort of pertinent to my interest in the last year and a half. The sleaziest, trashiest, poliziotesque... Oh, wait. Let me, I can't say it right yet. 
Polizio Teshi. That's it. Is that a is that a genre of of crime film documentary crime film narrative. it's kind of like you know how giallo is the most extreme horror yes these are the most extreme crime films and italy are they snuff movies no no are we sure cops and robbers but there's corruption throughout all the police force of course because it's italy and yeah and it's just the police <laughs> <laughs> exactly so you got a double whammy there you yeah got the italian corruption with the mafia mm-hmm. and then there's just the police yeah so it's because i watched this whole uh tranche of fascist american films mm-hmm. all the death wish movies okay invasion usa with chuck norris weirdly in the middle of last year so sorry listeners to be bringing you back to the middle of last year i don't <laughs> And we're going to move along from that. We're going to go back <laughs> to the happy days of the beginnings of Sam's musical career. But Eurocrime films, yeah. So I, I love it. We all, you know, need something to keep us active, mentally active and intrigued. That's and true. Obsessed. Yeah, absolutely obsessed. And that actually led to a fun series that I'm going to be doing soon on YouTube. But details about that to come. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love, I really love how niche and deep you go. Like... I relate to the obsessive thing. You know, I have that yeah. quality too. And like yeah. when I'm really uh, like tuned into a specific thing, yeah, I go in. Hardcore and yeah. deep. And I admire that. And I noticed it also because we share the cassette thing. Yes. And when I made the last album, I went like full research and development mode about, you know, Minneapolis 1989. Like, mm-hmm production and it shows though so the album of course is boombox eternal yes fantastic album that you managed uh to you crafted the release date to coincide with With the pandemic yeah Mm -hmm. which is a a brilliant marketing move i don't think anyone else would have done that it was really yeah (laughs) yeah it's what you would (laughs) dream for right it's more than i could have ever (laughs) imagined or hoped for (laughs) yeah it was like i think it came out like two weeks before yeah i think so and we're just starting to kind of plan the tour (laughs) and thinking about the rest of the year and the only good thing about that is that at least you weren't already on tour someone else was telling me about having to pull a tour and i just thought oh my god thank god you weren't on like date two yeah and all that production and rehearsal yeah down the tubes yeah and also the (laughs) interminable a couple weeks from now yeah Oh, oh J- june what yeah, oh yeah they, when thing. they just kept pushing things back <laughs> like okay we're gonna do coachella in october now i remember just at a certain point when i locked in i was like ain't nothing happening nowhere oh i knew yeah i yeah. knew it was all a fantasy and yet and here we are mm-hmm. still still in a pandemic but sort of pretending that we're not vaccinated but possibly susceptible <laughs> yes yeah. yeah very that mm-hmm Oh, and I mean, I'm fully, now we're getting into the modern era, <laughs> embracing the hookups, apps. I'm back on the apps. I'm they're actually ever, on the apps. They're, they're back. They are back. I, you know, I never was really on the apps. Right. Uh, Grinder. my first Grinder hookup was recently. Fantastic. How was it? It was amazing. And the first Great. one, I still don't know their name. The door's ajar. I go in. Okay. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> no names required. No, they, well, certain names. They like certain names, said, but they're not any kind of given name like government names yeah no government only code names only code names right well they're on secret assignment or something but they can't get too deep into it and i shouldn't be revealing it right now so you know forgive me you're like a sexual james bond (laughs) well no i guess james bond was a sexual james bond you're a you're a 2021 app sexual money penny i don't know (laughs) (laughs) 
Miss Moneypenny. <laughs> but you, of course, are about to celebrate three years, I believe, of Wedded Bliss with DJ Zion Lennox, a pal from Boston. Yes. I, three years will be, a, we'll, we got married three Septembers ago. And yeah, you know my husband from way back in the day yeah. in Boston. Yeah. And go to the dance nights and stuff. Yeah, and he, he would he come to come video to your body all the time. Yeah, yeah, and um, which is also why I, when I felt bad that I missed some of uh, his parties when I was traveling and stuff. And then, but then I think there was a party scheduled right around the time everything went down. Yes, he had a monthly party in LA called Nebula. Fabulous um, party. What was, hotel was that? It was at the Mayfair, uh, kind of downtown LA yeah. adjacent, yeah. and they still haven't reopened really yeah that's the other thing i can't figure out like what's open what's not it took me right. six months after it closed to find out that oil can harry's in north hollywood closed oh it's gone forever that yeah. really shook me i know it's it's lost there's some kind of like fundraiser campaign thing going on but i'm like no no it's sold yeah the, so it's i don't gone. know what yeah yeah maybe it's money for the the owners or something or maybe they're trying to there was something about preserving it i don't know if maybe they're going to try to I heard, they're gonna pocket that yeah the don't don't donate to that look into <laughs> check into it check into it look into those gofundmes <laughs> yeah so many things i mean it's amazing what did survive or what has thus far sure survived precinct thank god okay precinct made it yeah um and they've been open and yeah yeah open for a couple weeks now um but, or maybe a uh, month the one like having seeing arc light go under was like that i that really shook me yeah that freaked me out too i just i couldn't believe it and of all places to not be saved by some I'm consortium like, come of, on steven spielberg <laughs> get your checkbook out like somebody tarantino can't buy all the theaters I, right <laughs> someone else has to step in you know that reminds me just how like ridiculous people get online uh, I saw an article about Tarantino buying the Vista, which I'm thrilled about. Of course, anyone okay, listening to this. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, he bought the Vista, and it's going to That's be- a beautiful theater. A gorgeous theater. Yeah. And uh, really kind of regal. Mm-hmm. A- and he said it's going to have a different character to the new Beverly, but there will be- Are they ro- going to remodel? I think it's going to stay basically the same. Okay. And just refurbish a little- new seats. Probably going to do that. Although when the new Beverly refurbished, they did not do new seats. So I thought they did do new seats. Mm, did they space them out? No, there's okay. no. So I still have a bit of an issue with the incline. Okay. Sometimes, you know, there's a bit of a tricky situation with someone with a rather large Hat. haircut. Yes. Or <laughs> when I saw Hedwig and the Angry Inch recently, there was like a rock and roller haircut in front of me. That was a little, it was on the edge. I had to sort of, <laughs> I had to, you know, sit in my best posture, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> but I have my favorite seats there. So I know the sort of how to maneuver around okay. that. But the the Vista, someone posted the article and then um, someone said, oh man, I hope it doesn't ruin it. Yeah, keep it open and have films right. playing at it. Yeah. That's, instead of having it be a parking lot. Right. Or a, <laughs> God forbid, another Starbucks or... Yeah. Yeah. Someone And then someone else was like, yeah, just like he ruined New Beverly. I was like, yeah, he really just ran it right into the ground. Yeah. It, you know, just sometimes you see stuff and you go, I don't, I don't want to look at the internet at all. No. <laughs> it's a, it's, the internet is a, is a dump site. It's cesspool. Yeah. <clears throat> but so on the good, on the good uh, news, we're, 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 actually, what's the good news? I'm trying to, I'm struggling now. <laughs> see, this is what I'm trying to, uh, 
the good news is we're still here. Yes. We're still, you know. Queer and camping. And we're smiling and, <laughs> you know, we're moving on. And all that jazz. And yeah. 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 That movie uh, revisited a couple times. In the During last the pandemic. Yeah. Cl- close to the end, but it, it, it was uh, like a religious experience watching you it again. You mean all that jazz you revisited? Yeah, the film. Or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, although, you know, I, I just saw New York, New York, and I just mentioned on the last episode, too. So, if, if you get sick of me saying the same movies again. I haven't seen it. It is. You, okay, I have to recommend it. I okay. don't want to oversell a movie. I never like to do that. It might be Liza's best performance of all time. Okay, well, I, I have to see it. I have to see it. And I love, um, okay, I have a story about that song and that and Liza. Oh, please. Well, I mean, it's it's crazy how a lot of people that don't know that liza was the originator of that song i know because right. it's so people associate that song with frank sinatra and the movie kind of tanked right com- comparatively at least with the other scorsese movies previous to that although he had a couple bombs and right after raging bull is actually considered a kind of a flop really at the time didn't and then king of comedy was a massive bomb but that's like one of the best movies ever made I also haven't seen King of Comedy. Oh, you would love that. And I bet that would be a good movie club, too. We're, uh, Sam and I are going to do a movie club on the Isaac Mizrahi documentary by Douglas Keeve, who they you know they were dating. We'll get into that later. I didn't know that. Uh, oh, there's a bunch of stuff we're going to get into. But, oh. yeah. Ooh. Okay, so the, so the first time I, I ever met Jake, uh, Jake Shears, our, yeah. friend, our friend, our mutual friend, which is kind of how we know that each other. That is how we know, know yeah. each other. We met at one of his parties. Right. And the listeners may have heard his name once or twice on the show. Right. You're, they may be familiar. <laughs> they might be. So the first time I met him was in New York at, it was the Paper Magazine's 25th uh, anniversary party in oh, New okay. York City. And they had um, a number of performers. They had Queen Latifah was performing. Um, and the headliner was Liza Minnelli. And she was she was uh, like performing with a little jazz combo trio. And she did a number of songs. And, and it was great. And it's, it's Liza Minnelli. Like, you know yeah she's a star she's a legend she's an icon absolutely she's one of the greats and i think that was that she's like all right boys this is the last song i'm gonna do tonight and i don't want to mess up the words on this one not in this town <laughs> and then she's and then she you know jumped into new york new york right and the, the crowd went wild and it was oh my god <laughs> to see liza sing that song in new york too is wild just to it see her sing it i cried in the theater when you did yeah it's a brutal movie like it it's it's a very unflinching in its depiction of relationship dynamic okay it, it's a combination of a 50s looking musical mm-hmm. the artificial sets uh, sound stages etc with the emotional content of a scorsese film okay of the seven i'm sold yeah it's terrific I'm sold i'm gonna watch it so that's the good news see there is good news there is the good news we see some things like that and then we're feeling connected more and more back to life i feel like Mm -hmm. life has been becoming life again yeah because the back to normal thing it's a troublesome phrase yeah i don't really want to go back to normal necessarily the way that it was exactly we know too much now (laughs) we do (laughs) um don't put the money in your mouth has been has been pulled back on a lot of things that we don't need to go back to well what are some of the things you think just this like endless relentless rat race and need to like compete with others like i think for i think for for me and for a lot of people 
it just became about what do I really want to do with yeah. my life and what work do I want to create and what's, you know, what's, what's the point? You well, know? especially because, you know, you, you've been working on this album for a solid chunk of time. How long would you say you worked on Boombox Eternal? I worked on it for probably about three years. Right. And you did a lot of other projects in the meantime as well. Yeah. One with our pal, Jake. Yeah. That's yet to come out. That's yeah. fabulous. Yes. So uh, you're always in the studio working and stuff, but this album was your main focus. And so three years of work on something. And there's an element of competitiveness or mm-hmm. sort of, um, I guess, uh, achievement-oriented thinking. Of course. With this. And then every possibility of pursuing that is taken away. And you also self-released this record. Yeah. Yeah, it was my first self-released uh, like full-length album. And but you know what? It's it's really weird because it's you know it's been the most satisfying thing that I've made, the best reviewed album that I've made. I love it. It's I, and I love it too, which I, is for me the most the most important. It thing. is the most important thing. Yeah, you're like that's nice, Craig. I just want to let you know I like it. I love it. <laughs> so that's all that matters. That's cute, Craig, that you like that. But I uh, just wanted to let you know. <laughs> I no, read this the most detailed description of I'm a Scorpio and I have a Leo moon. And I read this like very uh, detailed sort of description of who I am. Mm-hmm. And one of the the top, the leading lines was, you don't rely on encouragement from anybody else. <laughs> but listen, that is a valuable asset when you are a maker of things. I think so. Absolutely. And particularly when you're in a situation like the one we just outlined. You spend all this time making something. However competitive you are or not competitive you are, you just don't have the chance to do the thing you normally do. Yeah. With what you mentioned, how did that then change how you approach what you do? It made me feel less like precious about work. I think, you know, coming from starting out my career self you know producing and doing all that stuff and then being a part of the major label system for a few albums where everything felt very like strategic and waiting and perfecting and da 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 um, and a little jaded maybe yeah mm-hmm. i felt like okay moving forward i want to be less precious just like release stuff as and when i feel like it and be more a little bit more prolific not hanging on to things as much and just um, I don't know. I want to like have a whole like flop era where I just like put out a bunch of like shit that people are like, what's he doing? <laughs> Is he okay? <laughs> Is he okay? <laughs> like really unhinged. Meanwhile, like my personal life is like the most grounded it's ever been. Tranquil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I am just giving you like <laughs> unhinged mania. I've taken all this stuff and instead of spending my time personally with it, right. I'm making a record and putting it out. This is an EP. Here's yeah. an EP. Yeah, just a song. Or my, I am working on an album, but I kind of got s- sidetracked with new ideas. And I've been working on... It's I don't know what I'm doing right now, but I'm working on music where I'm kind of giving this more feminine energy and my voice is pitched up, but it's like ma- manic hyper-pop production. I don't really know if any of it will ever come out, but being a creative, and, and I will talk about this when we talk about the film too. Oh, yes, and absolutely. The process. Um, but you just, you have to go with the creative process and let it lead you. I think resisting it is just a bad idea. 
where the muse leads you, you have to go. And sometimes you don't even realize that's what it is that's happening. Like when we talked earlier about the Euro crime films and everything, that's leading to something else. Yeah. And I don't realize that. I remember when I started to think about, okay, this is not procrastination what I'm doing, or this is not deflecting from my what I'm supposed to do and be responsible. This is actually helping to the next thing. And you have said that to me previously, and it actually really helped me. I don't even really? know if you remember this, but yeah, I mean, it was probably just a passing moment. I think I, I have a vague recollection now. It, it might have been that was maybe that phone call. That we I were think talking it may about. have been that phone call, and I felt like, well, I'm not, I'm not feeling productive. I'm procrastinating, but I'm watching all these these movies, and um, you know, I'm just absorbing. And you're like, you know, Sam, like it's all part of the process. You're right, That's and you're right. absolutely right. Maybe when you, around the time that you were thinking about making your video on VHS. Yes, exactly. Okay, that's what it was. And it turned out that it turned out to be very much the case. Yeah. Right? Cuz you I think you said something like I'm just collecting VHS and like watching all these movies on VHS. Yeah. Specifically that. Yeah. yeah. Which is I mean, you know, Zion, my husband, uh he watches a lot of movies, but he he he's like why are you watching these on on vhs you know this is in like 4k on streaming on hbo for free or whatever yeah and it's just i don't know there's a feeling that i get from taking out the tape putting it in it feels more intentional less mm-hmm. like i'm just scrolling through streams and just like oh, i'll put this on there's a warm fuzzy feeling i get from the graininess and the the hum sure i can't explain it it just but, but I that, find it very soothing. And, and I think you're hitting at something that really uh, exemplifies what you were talking about before. When you said you got sort of stuck in this mode of working with the album structure, with the label ethos, mm-hmm. say, well, I'm not supposed to have fun. Like, I'm supposed to be working. Right. That kind of thing. And that can trip us up and really screw us up in anything. And so to get yeah. out of that, that's whatever, any, anything that gives you that feeling, that's the muse, right? That's right. the thing. And and then you don't ever stop be, being a student, which I think right. is like really important. Like you should just always continue to be a student wh- wherever you're at in life. Because the problem that happens is a lot of times we think, oh, okay, like I know how this works. Whatever but it is. it changes. It always changes. Yeah. And that can lead to dissatisfaction because you think, well, I know how this works. Not that you did, but people, you can get glib about anything. You can get um, dismissive about your Listen. own... <laughs> To go back to that um, horoscope that I just mentioned, the last line of this of this Scorpio Sun Leo Moon paragraph yeah. was um, Scorpio Leos tend to just gravitate towards the earthly pleasures because they are frustrated and bored with the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, there you go. Oh. <laughs> and also, I, I imagine the music industry. There is a bit of that, and again, we'll talk about this later with the movie. There is a certain amount of like, oh, if you're not acting jaded, then there's something wrong with you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and also just, I mean, I think that's part of the time that we live in. It's, it's really, it's so difficult not to be jaded now because we, we're just overrun with information right. and access to anything really that we want. Yeah, and that's that true. can feel sort of um, just a bit meh the king that has everything and doesn't want anything yeah you know it's like that with information it is (laughs) and i've noticed that one of the greatest things about say prime is i just go and i find something i don't know Mm. and that can help me in a bad mood Mm. and i was talking to someone the other day about maybe comfort films are not the best thing because comfort films are good 
But I'm thinking about. But then uh, you're just complacently watching it. You're not as yeah. engaged. Maybe you're not as engaged. I'd rather watch a bad movie that I've never seen before than rewatch something I've seen too many times. Were you telling me about the breakdance movie that you watched on Prime? Oh, I bet I was. Uh, which breakdance movie was that? That had, um, um, oh no. Who's the one that was with the sex tape at the Republican National Convention? Oh. Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe, yes. Were you telling me about this movie? Wait a second. <laughs> I don't know. Was I? And if I wasn't, I wish I was. We have to look this up. Rob Lowe breakdance movie. Okay. I may be fabricating this. I hope not. Could it be the Judd Nelson film where there's a breakdancing scene? No, it's a whole movie about breakdancing. <sighs> okay, movies about breakdancing. Let's see. There is... Um, I feel like it's called Rad or something. Oh, well, Rad is on Prime, but that is about BMX spiking. But it's directed by Hal Needham, the guy who did Smokey and the Bandit and um, Cannonball Run. You know, classic maybe, films. <laughs> maybe that's the one i'm thinking of it could be it could be is rob lowe in that no but chad lowe might be in it was chad lowe married to um hillary swank yes he was let's look up breakdance movies because also do you know there's a sort of third sequel to breakin but it's called rappin but it was originally supposed to be breakin three Okay, and you are the reason I know that those films exist. Really? Yes, oh, wow. because you would place portions of them on the screen. <laughs> you had like yeah, they were right. com, You had compiled them into the video drum footage. Video drum footage. That's right. Yeah, I think I'm going to be bringing video like, drum back. What is this movie? Oh yeah, this those scenes are just glorious, right? Yeah. Video drum is going to come back sometime in the next Good. couple months. Thank you. I'm excited about that. Uh, details to come, folks. Let's see. So breakdancing movies, we looked them up. Beat Street, which that one I haven't seen in a long time. That's an interesting what one. What year is that? That's 84, I believe. Let me see. It's Harry Belafonte, Ray Don Chong, and um, who else? I'm not sure. But Rob Lowe, nowhere near it. Wild Style is a film I really need to see because it has Fab Five Freddy and it's a lot about- Oh my God, the, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's on Tubi now? That's one of those movies. Oh, that, I love Tubi. Tubi's incredible. Tubi's great. They have all kinds of garbage on there. <laughs> Just movies that you... Um, have you do you, Have you seen the movie The Circle? No. No, not The Circle. The Cube. Wait, something sounds familiar about this, but I don't think I've seen it. It's like a low-budget kind of horror movie where these people wake up and they're in this cube and they have no idea how they got there and they're trying to get out. Kind of an escape room, but it's like early 90s. Okay, I have heard of this, but I've not seen it. I'm going to have to add it to my list. There's something called Delivery Boys. This looks intriguing. What are the watch options on Delivery Boys? Anything that's got a shitty title like that, I'm immediately like, ooh. I honestly feel like I've accidentally made this whole scenario up <laughs> and it doesn't exist. I'm having a Mandela uh, Yeah, that's right. Uh, so but let's propagate this misinformation and talk about the Rob Lowe breakdancing film. Yeah, it's really... it's. It's better than the the Sinbad. <laughs> That's right. Uh, genie movie. The Sinbad genie movie doesn't exist. Right. That does not exist. No, but, but everyone remembers watching it. But what does exist is Shaquille O'Neal in Kazam. Kazam which I, I don't remember watching. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I saw that, but I unfortunately saw Steel starring Shaquille O'Neal and Judd Nelson. Oh. It's not good. How, I can't imagine it would be. It was not. It was a film that was done... Uh, screen for how did this get made and how did it get made 
I don't even remember. It was like the worst episode of the show. It was the worst movie. It just. It was I have not... a resentment against how did this get made? Do you? Tell yeah, me. they they did an episode about Spice World, and I just thought like you guys have completely missed the point of this movie. And it's funny you mentioned that. I want to do a Spice World movie club. I'd love to have you. Part oh my of it. god, are you kidding me? That'd be great. Cheryl Hall and I were talking about it's it at one, one of, point. And... Th- that's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It's so great, and the cameos are amazing in it. Yeah, and it's not about anything, and it's just fun. It's a pop movie. Yeah, you can't really look at it through a serious lens. Although I do like that aspect of that show where they do take something that is completely ludicrous and particularly June Diane Raphael. Mm-hmm. We'll look at it through like a very serious lens of like feminist issues mm-hmm. and uh, what it says about the culture because I, I love that i guess is that semiotics is that what that is it's some type of critical theory yeah 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 semiotics it's just that's only a term i've become aware of when i read about todd haynes movies when i was trying to figure out why i couldn't like them <laughs> really none well, of them well uh, you know i shouldn't say that but velvet goldmine okay you don't like velvet uh, goldmine sorry folks i know people love that movie but i just oh wow it's it's too like that's the bowie character but he's not bowie that's the iggy but he's not iggy see i don't know how i would feel about watching it today i probably would revisit it and be like oh this doesn't hold up i'm guessing that's probably But when i saw it at you know 16 or 15 or whenever it was like at my little indie local indie theater i mean i walked out of that movie theater a new person and see i wish i could watch it from that perspective I have a trouble with the jukebox musical. So you got mm-hmm. this character that's singing. He opens his mouth one minute and he, it's the actor singing. He opens his mouth another minute. It's a Brian Ferry song. Right. And I'm just like, I, I don't. However, I like when people play with history like Tarantino does mm-hmm. in Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, etc. So look, I'll just cut the whole Todd Haynes discussion out. <laughs> I don't need the blowback. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never get him on the show. No, I never will. But you know, he also told my friend Kieran that he didn't base anything on Jabriath, which is complete bullshit because there's a the, the album cover the maxwell demon album yeah. cover that's the jabriath album cover okay so that's a lie that's a lie so demerit todd haynes when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Chaka Khan was a fan of yours when you were a child. Um, yeah, well, that's kind of a reach, but I mean, there. It's and a also, reach I'm willing to take. <laughs> it is a it is a true story. Um, that when I was a kid, you know, I moved to L.A. when I was ten, and my dad was a minister, and we were, you know, in church a lot, and I grew up singing in church and in various choirs. And how much time during the week would you be at the church? How many days? Oh, like a couple yeah yeah like there would be like a youth group night and then sunday and what uh, denomination um christian like one church that we went to was like kind of pentecostal but like lutheran Mm -hmm. um i don't really know what any of that means i don't really either i'm slowly learning i'm unlearning (laughs) (laughs) so i guess that that answers the question about how religious you maintain uh, or maintain religiosity. I think that's how no, they correctly say No, I don't it. like religion. Yeah. 
Was there anything that put you off specifically or was it just the overall thing never really gelled with you? I think, um, I mean, I think spirituality is great, really great. And I think like, you know, it's a personal thing that you, you go on, you know, uh, your own quest to find meaning and a yeah. higher power and a connection to the spirit world or whatever it is, you yeah. know. And however you define it. And however you define that. Um, but I don't know, religion's really dogmatic and I think it's done a lot of harm to people and it's very, um, it's a tool a lot of people use to manipulate other people. Um, so. I don't know, that sounds fan. fishy. Do you have any facts to back that up? <laughs> <laughs> not a fan. Yeah. Um. Didn't buy the album. Didn't buy the album, only know the singles. <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, and then I also, I do know people that, are religious that i quite enjoy as well so it's just i'm not a fan personally right <laughs> no i get that but it's interesting especially growing up in the church right i'm always interested when people grow up in the church which direction they take and and if there is a, a deviation from the rest of the family or the the general direction well <laughs> would you consider it a deviation there's a lot of things about you know, the way I grew up in the church that are incorporated into my life and have, are just like a part of who I am, you know, and I think. I would say inclusivity would be one of them. No, <laughs> you're very, joke? you're very nice. You're very nice. I, oh, I think because sometimes churches aren't very inclusive. I thought oh, that was I, no, a joke. I just had a feeling that because your family was. Well, you've, you've met my family, right? Yeah, a couple times. Yeah. yeah. So my, my, my dad was a minister and my you know, definitely we were a religious family, but my parents were kind of a really good example to me of what religion could be because yeah. they're, they're really like, they're not judgmental people. They're really loving. They're really kind, generous, thoughtful, considerate, open-minded. So I did have that, uh, you know, kind of example. Example. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I think also I was curious what the domination, because I don't think I knew about the religiousness at right. first when meeting them and then found it out reading it somewhere. And I was like, oh, right. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, they didn't strike me as mm. the type of folks that I would think of as religious folks based on my history of going yeah. to Catholic churches that I couldn't stand. And I think my dad really struggled with, you know, he's wrestled with that system a lot and like sure. not fitting into it. But I will say weirdly that the predominant white predominantly white church spaces that that i've spent time in were far more dogmatic and judgmental than predominantly black churches that i've been a part of mm -hmm. which is an interesting thing and that i've observed and experienced sure i don't know yeah. no no it isn't it's very interesting well i mean it speaks to the general problems of mostly white groups of yeah any nothing. kind yeah mm -hmm. you know because you have something in there that is essentially supposed to be about uplifting people uh togetherness etc but in practice you see the difference between the the two um experiences yeah yeah so you grew up in sydney yeah and then moved to la moved to la when i was 10 and the church activities continued but i read something where your dad was working on a soul album 
Yeah, my dad's he has several albums as a song singer songwriter. Yeah, he's he, I don't know how many albums he has, maybe like 10 or more. He's like a very prolific songwriter and has done work for film and TV as well. Film and TV and written with, you know, for foreign other artists. Uh when we moved to LA, I think one of the reasons why he wanted to move here is just because the pool of talent is so much bigger and sure you know there's such a big crossover in american pop music especially at that time with the church oh okay you know there yeah. was so many like a lot of the people in in our church were singing backing vocals for whitney houston or they were singing in the lion king soundtrack sure, like, or they, well michael martian right was one of those producers that was faith-based i think i don't know him when he said that that just sort of like sent me on a spiral thinking like oh yeah donna summer and the folks she was working with mm-hmm. um was particularly like around 80 81 she got a little bit more intense with her faith yeah yeah my dad actually worked with her husband oh bruce sedano yeah so there was just a lot of great players and and artists that were also in the church on sunday so the you know the family that i grew up singing with in church were friends of shaka khan and she came to the church a couple times and now we, friends of shaka is that like friends of dorothy is that a no? <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah every five minutes or so we talk about something that is circling the area of prince which we'll get to in, in a while are we who else did we well, no, because we're talking we were talking earlier about your interest in releasing a whole ton of diverse oh flop things. era Fla- <laughs> the flop era stuff also, the Camille mm-hmm. uh, type of vocal yes. thing that you're talking about. Yeah. So, but we'll we have plenty of time to talk about Prince, and we do talk about Prince quite a bit. So, there's so much to talk about. There is, and of course, Prince worked with Shaka Khan, as many people yeah. know or don't know. Yeah. And she had an album on Paisley Park, and she's got like like 30 records or something. Yeah, she has a lot of albums. Killer drummer too. Oh yeah, she do- she does drum amazingly. Yeah. Yeah. So Shaka, you know, sometimes after the service we would go back to um the pastor's house which was like right by the church and have you know food like a big family meal yeah um and shaka and they had a piano in there and shaka khan was there and everyone was kind of singing and they're like sat you gotta hear sam sing like i think it was 12 and i did like one of the songs from church and shaka was like damn that white boy can sing <laughs> that's gonna be like the greatest thing to hear ever I was, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, it's great. I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> and so I did tell, I told that, then this is a true story. This, this is true, but as sh- opposed to the other stuff you told, as opposed to everything else I've said today. <laughs> but I said it to an English newspaper and they printed it, you know, ran the story in the paper. And then I think the next, he interviewed Shaka Khan at a later time. Yeah. And brought up this story. She said, who the fuck is Sam Sparrow? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we love that. I love a Shaka Khan interview because <laughs> oh, yeah. she is just like, what? Mm-hmm. What's that? I don't, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what she did. I want to have her on the show. I think I wrote to her PR people, uh, and they said, oh, send to this email. But that was like right before the pandemic hit and all that stuff. But I feel like Shaka would be a great host because I'm sure she would go down any tangent. Oh, I that you exa- I, absolutely. She, she seems completely which could you could name the show tangents with Craig. 
<laughs> that was the runner-up, but Greg yeah. and Friends, I thought, was okay. But yeah, the tangents. We love the tangents. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's all about here. And that's what it's all about. Because <laughs> tangents, I think tangent means like your interest is something sparks a thought and you go with it. Yeah. Hopefully you're able to reel it back in. I think I do that most of the time. Let's say 60, You did. 40. You tied it all together. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I had Sam dub that part in later after he had to drive all the way back. But, you know, you Sam's a trooper. A check. That's right. Well, listen, Sam's a music industry professional. So it doesn't, you know, showbiz, it's, you know, it's showbiz real. That's showbiz yeah. real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love that Shaka was like, I don't know who the fuck that is. Instead yeah. of just going like, oh, yeah, he's great. Yeah, she was like, I don't who the fuck is that? <laughs> you know, the backing vocals she did for Higher Ground, I was watching a documentary. Oh my God, Steve it, Winwood. One of the greatest. That album, I've been obsessed with that album various times in my life. And actually, after one breakup, I remember that album back in the high life and the previous record of that that has um, Valerie mm-hmm. and um, When You See a Chance, mm-hmm. which meant like that song meant a lot to me for a while at that time. Um, I was so into Higher Ground, just like on a loop. Also, Freedom Overspill on that record is mm-hmm. killer. But it's a great album. It's fantastic. Um, I just wish Roll With It was a little bit better. <laughs> you know, but what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, it's a little corny. It's a, yeah, it's it's a little, it's edging towards Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah. Who I like, but I don't want Steve Winwood giving me that. There is a, cro- there is some crossover there. And there's like this very white dude from <laughs> the, the 80s. A lot of them are British. Yes. There's this specific kind of, sound in the production where it's they're obviously very influenced by american r&b yeah but there's this like very kind of just like this white essence to that they bring to it and you've got peter gabriel you've got um steve winwood huey lewis who is american right (laughs) yeah very kind of like was giving that vibe too he had affiliations with the british right him and Nick Lowe were friends. Yeah. Uh, the news in their earlier incarnation as Clover is the band that backs up Elvis Costello on My Aim is True. Really? Yeah. Okay. There's this new album from Laura Mvula, who mm-hmm. is a um, British singer, and she's kind of, it, it's such a great album. It just came out two weeks ago. Oh, cool. Um, Which that means I haven't heard it because you know me. I'm the same, but I, like <laughs> I did, I did check out this album and it's really, really fantastic. And it sounds like, Peter Gabriel and Steve Winwood. Oh wow, it's really crazy. I'm here for that. Yeah, for sure. Was it? Did you just hear someone knocking? Yeah. Is there a surprise guest coming? Uh, I think so. Let's find out, ladies and gentlemen. Is it a tax collector? Uh, it's a ghost. Yeah, it could be a ghost. It could be a ghost, or it could be the um, result of the new flooring they put in upstairs that, creaking uh, yeah it's not well secured like there's gaps between the floorboard and the paneling great job guys yeah terrific job really easy to get that redone too and that's a whole nother story but yeah there is that british soul thing you know that also coincided with that whole big chill soundtrack thing mm-hmm. and then the godforsaken california raisins mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> Yeah. There was a lot of that stuff going on. So then I think there was a certain fatigue that happened. Yeah. Yeah. There was like kind of like a hokey hokiness to it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But uh, where were we? So you're 12 and then. So I'm 12, Shaka Khan. um, So that's that's a nice thing to have in your back pocket. If you ever have a little moment of doubt about your voice, you're like, Shaka Khan. (laughs) She won't remember this properly, but she did say it. she didn't. Yeah. But she did say it. What a goofy thing to ask Shaka Khan. 
But why would she remember that? No, she wouldn't remember that's that. That's like her being like, that's a terrific souffle. I remembered it yeah, because it was about you yeah. and she's Shaka Khan. Yeah, and I'm 12. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. It wasn't like a big moment for her in her life. No, but that that's like the 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 tailor always remembers that Frank Sinatra really liked the cut of the suit that he helped him with that time. Right. Frank wouldn't remember. No. Remember, remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of a weird thing to bring up. Yeah. Who's that journalist? Get him. Let's get him in here. Get him and Todd Haynes <laughs> together and find out what the hell's going on. So you're 12, and then what are you doing in terms of uh, music outside the church? Um, so at that point, I was just doing a lot of singing in church, but then I would do a couple of like gigs on the side. Like I was doing demos for, okay, this is so random. You'll love this. My church choir leader, Linda McCrary, shout out. She mentored me. She's an incredible woman and singer. She would get a lot of us kids like booked on random jobs okay and we did this weird like kids album demo for giorgio moroda what which we recorded in his studio at his home no um, which was like this weird 80s cocaine palace in the hills that was like (laughs) glass and concrete and i'm like 12 or 13 i don't know who giorgio moroda is right at this point there's just some guy with sunglasses and a huge mustache yeah in yeah. like this weird house <laughs> and this material never came out i don't know what it was for <sighs> that is such a crime but my dad actually brought it up and remembered it he was like yeah remember that weird house that you were recording in and yeah that was giorgio moroda that is amazing <laughs> so i guess I, technically i have worked with giorgio moroda yeah and now another journalist can go ask giorgio moroda <laughs> yeah. about how, what he thought about sam sparrow's vocals yeah in that on that album that never came out so I was doing kind of weird stuff like that. And then I, you know, I did um, an appearance on General Hospital. You did? When Ricky Martin was on there. It was like a Christmas episode and I was singing Christmas carols. And I was doing some musical theater as uh-huh. well, like, you know, Oliver and and some stuff like that during the summer. But there was always kids on some of the jobs that had, you know, like the the mom like the stage mom and, and the the headshots and the managers and they were going out on auditions and they were doing homeschool and all this stuff like that and i was never like that my mom she just she actually didn't i had an agent when i was a kid like a lot younger when i was like six or seven yeah and i'd done some tv commercials i did like mcdonald's and some japanese fashion catalogs and things like that and i pa- apparently had become such a little brat that what some people came to my parents house for dinner and i opened the door and said you must recognize me from some of my television work (laughs) (laughs) and then my mom pulled the plug wow she was like that's it no we're not doing any more of that good move (laughs) i know it was a good move yeah she made she made the right choice she definitely made the right Mm -hmm. choice that's how kids get fucked up yeah with when you got those stage parents, I mean, I still got fucked. <laughs> well, that's true. But, but maybe in a different a way. Bit later, yeah, a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. she spared you a few years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So isn't that, I know it's so funny. That's wild. Terrific presence of mind of a parent too, because a lot of those families, as we see with the Britney Spears thing, yes. Of course, that's maybe a different story. I don't know what their economic situation was. Uh, also, your parents are clearly different types of people. Yeah, I mean, and uh, and we had economic insecurity. Sure, you know, it wasn't like we we just they they definitely 
use the money from some of those things, you know, to buy like clothes for me and my brother and, and stuff like that. But I think my mom's just, you know, she's very grounded. She just, she doesn't value kind of like the pomp and circumstance things. And I just think she just thought, no, we're not doing yeah. that. Well, because that's the other funny thing. You can be a working musician and you can have a family of working musicians, but there's still a kind of a patchwork element yeah. to the income. Yeah. I guess in really any creative field. And there can be the appearance of a steady stream of... Okay, They're coming okay, to get you. That's the, that's the police coming to get me because <laughs> we're telling too many true facts about the music industry. We are in LA, so it makes sense that they're so tight about the uh, control on that. They yeah. don't want it, that word to get out. <laughs> you as noticed as soon as you brought up Britney Spears, the silence started coming. <laughs> I know their scanners are working. They're just they yeah. got the same faulty directions you did. They're going to the building across yeah. the street. Isn't it good yet, Tijava? I used to buy that tea just a couple bottles at a time, and then during the pandemic, I was like, "Who am I kidding?" Let me just order. That's how you know you're an adult is you're thinking about long-term investment when yeah. you buy bulk. <laughs> that or you have a, a problem. Yeah. Or you have a problem. Or you have a problem. You had a problem with some stuff for a while, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure did. Well, you know, you mentioned that you, that you got fucked up later on. Uh-huh. And I think we'll, we can fill in the gaps uh, a little later on between 12 because it's not at 13 this happened. I don't think anyway. No. No. But, and I read something interesting where it said that part of it was to cope with some PTSD that you had related to some things mm-hmm. that happened related to your industry or because of things that occurred yeah. uh, via the music industry. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely think, like, you know, became like substance abuse is a part of my, st- my story, <laughs> hashtag my story. And, um, you know, I think a lot of that, I mean, it took, I've been clean and sober for years. Yeah. You know, like. I've only known you in this state. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time. But, uh, you know, going through all of that, it takes, a, you know, it takes a number of years to really unpack so much of it. And I think, and therapy and, and sure. all of those things. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of things that happened in my career that were also an extension of you know growing up queer and feeling othered and having to kind of adjust who you were based on your surroundings and code switch and and live in uh, secrecy and all these things um but yeah there were a lot of like there was just a lot of weird homophobic a kind of abusive things that happened in the industry, a lot of which were verbal and a lot of which were nonverbal. Sort of implied. Implied, manipulative. Unspoken sort of signaling. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And then there was a lot of abuse uh, in terms of just, you know, some of it was verbal abuse, but some of it was just like, being worked to the bone and like not having any kind of control over or not feeling like I had any kind of control, which I think was largely due to how young I was and Mm -hmm. how low my self-esteem was 
that I didn't realize I could set boundaries. <laughs> well, sure. But it's easy to have low self-esteem, particularly when you feel othered. Right. Already. That's right. a recipe for that. Yeah. And then when you feel like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't raise my voice too high or whatever it is. And, you know, maybe I shouldn't rock the boat. Yeah. Uh, they seem to know more about this than I do. I don't know if there well, was a I bad manager or anything. And, and acted out in other ways. Okay. And how would that present? Well, part of it was also like self-preservation too. I mean, there was a time when I didn't have a day off for like six weeks and I, I, you know, I hadn't slept. I was completely, I mean, it's like a form of torture. Yeah, you know? no, it is. I mean, that's what they do in cults to right. brainwash people. Yeah. They keep people off kilter yeah. by not giving them enough sleep, sometimes limiting food, mm -hmm. sometimes drugs are used for that. And that yeah. has happened a lot in the music industry. Yeah, the and they film buy industry. you with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And oh, don't worry about it. Here, have this. Uh, yeah. Oh, don't worry about yeah. it. Just relax and take this. And then there's this thing of like, oh, we're all just having a great time. Isn't this fun? And then I imagine also the gaslighting of. Oh, my God. Gaslighting out the fucking wazoo. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're having so a good time. This is, this is a good time. You should be thankful. Yeah. I started having problems with my record label. I mean, pretty quickly, to be honest. And I remember they sat me down. I felt kind of cornered, too. They sat me down and they said, look, you are one of our most difficult artists. And they said, you, Amy Winehouse, and Mika, you're all, wow. you're our three most difficult artists. And I thought, well, that's good company. <laughs> yeah, it is. I must be doing something right. Right. And, and, and later, <laughs> did they specify what was difficult about you or did they just say difficult to, so to give you just a sort of shitty feeling? Probably. Yeah. I don't think it did give me a shitty feeling. <laughs> well, that's actually good. <laughs> that was a mistake on their part because oftentimes people will be vague with the uh, disapproval so you can fill yeah. in the blanks yourself. And I also think that a lot of times when people say that someone's difficult, it's because they won't comply with what they want them to do. Absolutely. You know? Particularly women. It, it, it's more so with women. Yeah. Especially with women, yeah. And queer folks, too. Yeah. There's definitely, like, an emasculate, like, they feel, I felt like, you know, they there was behavior in the, and I felt treated in a certain way that I didn't see my straight kind of other colleagues or, or counterparts being treated in. Right, because there's this inherent bullying, it seems like. Yeah. That is just... Just conditioned. Conditioned, and also uh, the type of people we're talking about, it seems like they're uh, inherently predators working in... It's extremely predatory. Yeah. The business in, in general. Yeah. And you're, uh, not you're, but they're capitalizing on people's insecurities. Artists are inherently insecure in some way, yeah. one way or the other. And then if they can detect oh, maybe they might be gay, but they're not talking about it or they can't talk about it. Or That's yeah. just another tool to use to control. And it was very, there was, it just felt there was a lot of like maneuvering and manipulating going on and gaslighting, like you said. Yeah, just, I felt ganged up on a lot. Sure. Instead of just, just everyone be transparent and just, I don't know. Because it seems like they're more about the control of it. They don't, it's not even about the result. If the result was, that they're trying to help you make the best record possible. Right. Okay, maybe you could think, but that's never... The goal is to control you. The goal is to control. That's yeah. it. And we see a lot with managers where they break off communication pipelines between the artist and either, say, their, their band or yeah. their 
trusted confidants or whatever well, my it is. manager worked for the record label and didn't disclose <gasps> that really yes wow isn't that crazy that's that is insane he was a double agent <laughs> yeah i know it was it was crazy now when did you find out that part of it and were you able to do any kind of legal action i mean i felt i found out about that kind of a few months into the contract oh wow but at, yeah. and at that point I'm sure it felt like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. And I was also just like being really worked and busy and just, there was so much chaos going on. Now was black and gold out at that point. Yeah. And that single was massive. So yeah. you're shot like a rocket into mm-hmm. this situation. Mm-hmm. And then you find yourself with all this crazy stuff going on. And my, I'm assuming that. And a lot of it was great too. That's the thing. There was like, there was a lot of like v- really extreme highs yeah. and really extreme lows all happening back to back kind of in a cycle (laughs) you know right and then i'm sure it made you negate your own instincts about things. oh yeah because you think well i mean gee they but they are kind of right because this happened and that happened it always seems to me in those situations that what happens is then the artist starts to forget that they're the reason well and that's part of the manipulation too is that when when any anytime something great would happen they took responsibility for it and anytime something bad would happen it was my fault right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's fun yeah yeah when you and i imagine when you're up against that day in day out you start to accept that as the truth yeah yeah it just it was really confusing and um yeah so definitely kind of turned to drugs and alcohol to escape what was the usage like at first when did it start well to- i mean i'd started you know have like partying as a teenager sure you know just like as you I do mean, as you do yeah exactly and like you know started going to raves as a teenager yeah. and, and nightclubs and stuff and and it was like you know fun sure and then also what was so wait what age again were you when black and gold hit um 24 okay uh, but still, that's a perfect age, too, to get a little whisked away, particularly when you have these other issues going on. Yeah. There's but parties pretty, and events like, happening high all the functioning. time. Yeah, there's yeah. always like, and a lot of the times it was just like, you know, like if I, if I knew I had like a couple of blocks of tour, like if I was on tour, I would be pretty high functioning. And yeah, I mean, I had to drink to fall asleep sure <laughs> don't we all wait what are you talking about <laughs> but i wasn't is that, like, is that bad oh jeez. Oh, all right hey we'll get back to that but it wasn't like you know cocaine and and prostitutes like in hotel room. like it wasn't like that i mean i was pretty focused on on work because i liked doing that i loved being on tour and i loved performing and being on stage and yeah that was kind of good enough well, sure. And also, again, there's so much good happening. Yeah. And then also the booze is the sneakiest one of all because it's so part of the fabric of everything and particularly well, it's so normalized. Yeah. Everyone says, oh, we're having drinks. Are you coming after the thing? We're going to go for drinks. And there's drinks in the dressing room and drinks like everywhere you go. It's yeah, just w- What normal. did you want on, on your rider for drinks? Yeah. What do you want backstage for drinks? Drinks yeah. before the show, drinks after yeah. the show, during the show. Oh, there's a cooler to the right-hand side. It's yeah. got some Gatorade. It's got some Jack Daniels or whatever. Yeah. And I thought that I needed a few drinks in me to perform well. Which, when I look back at some of the shows... <laughs> I just remember thinking like, wow, I thought I was doing so much better than I was. Sure. And 
you know, once I was kind of clean and clear and under control, I just feel like even my performance was so much better. And that must also be aggravated by this constant nagging pressure from other people trying to tell you where you're right and where you're wrong and negating your own you know north star instinct or whatever right and then i well i need a little bit of something to help me well my north star was fuzzy too (laughs) sure yeah i I don't know where you were in terms of your acceptance or um embracing of your sexuality well i had started my career out openly gay like from you know the first magazine cover i ever did was attitude magazine oh okay yeah and they tend to feature mainly um straight artists <laughs> sometimes they do so it was a big deal when you were like hi look i'm on your magazine I'm and i'm gay trying to just get some gay coins <laughs> yeah i'm gay baiting and they yeah. i mean the cover had said you know pop's next gay superstar or something like that <laughs> right so it was ambivalent yeah it was a vague but and then that was in the uk which i was where i was based out of at the time but then coming to, back to the states and dealing with the u.s label they really wanted to downplay it and they wanted to not have it be they didn't want they kind of wanted people to find out uh, on their own terms yeah accidentally after they bought the albums after they like they weren't quite still doing the thing that they did with say cliff richard who of course says that he's not Mm -hmm. any sexuality but he just defers he deflects the question but really yeah he does he as far as i know has never addressed it Various managers, etc., would try to set him up with a fake relationship. The last time there was an attempt to launch him here as a pop star was around the time of the Xanadu soundtrack. Mm. And so there was this pretense, this premise, that him and Olivia Newton-John were a couple. Oh, my goodness. There's even a, a TV special called Hollywood Nights, which we'll have to watch sometime. <laughs> okay. Where they sort of have a kiss. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But anyway, so, wow. that, so we weren't the, the, the U.S. record companies. No, there was no like bad. There was no bearded situation or anything. But they definitely there was there was like a lot of I don't even like to say the word microaggressions. It feels very like dated, but <laughs> but but for lack of a better word, sure, yeah, a lot of microaggressions yeah. and just miniature hostilities. Yeah, and just like weird manipulation of just. Oh um, uh, well, don't mention that in the. It, don't uh, let's try to not talk about stuff like that right they, like like let's focus on and i also feel like i i was kind of in butch drag for a, a chunk of my career sure and part of that i really enjoyed like being a man in a suit yeah and like with the second album i kind of was doing this old hollywood um which could be read two different ways too it's right like, yeah right but it felt i mean it it felt kind of <laughs> like butch drag <laughs> which i guess why it was why it was fun sure yeah but that makes sense though i mean look we were talking about jake before i mean the u.s record oh yeah you know same it was the like, uk really embraced it yeah and the u.s labels i don't know what they did but it, they clearly didn't put the same kind of power behind it yeah or enthusiasm that they did elsewhere yeah, and it's changed a lot now. There's so many queer artists in the pop landscape now that these institutions have also realized how much money there is to be made from marketing and selling to queer people. Right. At long last. You think they would have cottoned on a lot earlier. Just yeah. like look at the UK. Well, now they have all the data. It's just data. <laughs> They're like, That's right. Oh, there's a lot of queers on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
it's remarkable that to think about how much it's changed in the last 15, 20 years. Even the last five. Yeah, that's true. You have an artist now like Jake Wesley Rogers, and it just feels like, okay, this is the right time. Yeah. I mean, and five years ago, there was no trans visibility right. in the mainstream at all. The concept of non-binary genders, like just no one had in the mainstream had ever like considered that. I mean, there's still a long way to go and a lot of necessary changes, but things have changed. And a lot of different things have played into that, like TikTok. Oh, yeah. The pandemic, too. Yeah, definitely. And there's, you know, good sides and bad sides to every kind of revolution or whatever, you know. Every social change has some kind of thing where you look back. It's always when you look back, you can only clearly see it. Yeah. Uh, With the lens of 20, 30 years, you know, you can look at the 60s. Yeah. And say, yeah, there was a lot of great things, but like this stuff wasn't that great. And then this this was still happening and all of that. But when you're in the midst of it, it's very difficult to tell. The, the, The important thing, though, is that we're going in the right direction, I think. Yeah, and that'll continue to evolve too. I think the the era that we're in now has really put the power of, you know, creation and content in the hands of the people in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Yeah. And the, the the way that information is disseminated, it has changed and there's a lot more voices that didn't have a platform right. that now do. Right. Um and industries is, now yeah. really taking an interest. Yeah. In TikTok, because they care about in, money. No, no, right, yeah. exactly. Because yeah. it's like now actually happening. Because the idea of like, oh, anyone can do this because we have the technology. That yeah. was the premise at first. I don't know when, 15, 20 years ago, yeah. whatever. It's only when the money starts to follow. Right. And people will always, corporations will always capitalize on whatever they can. And now you see like every, like pride has become this capitalism, like capitalism. Yeah. I mean, it's just like every fucking brand puts a rainbow on their shit for the month of June. Right. And, which is okay. The great in some ways, I guess. Better to not see it. Uh, no, no. Better to see it than not see it. But then. I, I guess. Maybe. It, it's, it gets into But also the, it excludes a lot of people. Well, that's true too. It gets into the realm of ambivalence. Yeah. And I it's think. like this kind of clean, neat, tidy, like reformatting of, of what pride means and it doesn't really encompass the history of of pride and the the revolutionary aspects of it it also kind of removes the sexuality from it as seen recently (laughs) with a hubbub about kink being represented in pride parades yeah which was insane to me it's you know it's now like a corporate kind of thing anytime anything gets like clean 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 is bad on one hand, but then it's it'll it's great that queer kids that live in a small town that don't have access to all these things now can turn on their TV and see like a Budweiser commercial that's <laughs> featuring LGBTQIA. This is plus very people. true. I yeah. mean, so there's there's always there's a plus and a negative to all the things. We just hope for the net gain. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So when you were then dealing with this stuff. And then you were starting to maybe slide into more substance abuse rather Mm -hmm. than use. Mm -hmm. Did you know when you sort of (laughs) crossed the line in your mind? I felt like it had just kind of taken over and like I just was, you know, hiding and just, I mean, I just 
was living in so much shame and secrecy and denial and you know people close to me just not really know like knowing what was going on with me yeah and i was just kind of hiding out and isolating and being really self-destructive and um when you say self-destructive would it be in uh career stuff personal stuff a mixture yeah I mean, I would just kind of sabotage anything that got in the way of me just like alone with my drugs and alcohol. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Those pesky interruptions. <laughs> yeah. Um, that I mean, that was towards the end. Like there was a time where it was like, okay, I can still kind of numb myself and pedal a little bit and do my career. Yeah. And when I was recording Return to Paradise, you know, I was going through a breakup of the relationship that I'd been in during the previous four years, you know, when my career started. So I was kind of writing a breakup album. But mm -hmm. actually, you know, I realized a couple years ago when I listened back to that album that it was like an album about hitting rock bottom and then trying to kind of get clean. Which is weird. It's, I mean, it's so crazy to listen back to because it is like a journal of hitting bottom. <laughs> it's one of those funny things, like whatever kind of art it is that you do. Again, when you, look you don't at it, know you, you, at the time. That's right. You don't. You do not know. Yeah. The, actually, what the subtext is. No. Until years later. Yeah. It's true. And and then this album that I did that I put out last year, Boombox Eternal, was really a, like a healing album and a way of honoring and uh you know showing love and approval to my childhood self like it was i made this album thinking how much my 11 year old self would just be blown away by listening to it yeah <laughs> i can completely see that with the the textures in the music the rhythms hearkening back to like jam and lewis stuff yeah uh prince of course prince george michael janet you know that whole kind of era so it was like a love letter and and it was so much fun to make and now i don't and now i'm on another journey yeah which is and i'm excited to talk about this film unzipped when we do yes movie club right, because this is all very parallel with the process yes exactly yeah which you which i know that you understand the process and every you know, anybody that's listening that's a creative person or an artist of any kind, it's the process is it's it is <laughs> it's such a process. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, you can think you're going one way and you end up somewhere totally different. Yeah. Which is life. It is life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one it's like the tangents. It's yes. all that stuff. Life is just one <laughs> big tangent. Yeah. And I know it's oft quoted possibly to the point of uh, overquote. But that John Lennon quote about life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's really true. It is absolutely true. You kind of have to ride the wave and navigate it day to day. Yeah. Things change. Uh, someone's a little late for something or you're a little late for something. Like, you know, mm -hmm. And none of that stuff really matters. I, that, I remember when I figured out, oh, that's maybe what people mean by the small stuff and not to sweat it. Yeah. Because that stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. And, you know, just getting older and hopefully wiser well definitely wiser like uh, uh, certainly emotionally wiser right <laughs> yes which is maybe the most important yeah one. i think so um i've learned 
when I'm, you know, at my best to resist nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, just whatever happens, you just have to accept life and just can move forward and continue to grow and learn from it. You know, I just think, I think of um, Tyra Banks, like screaming on um, America's Next Top Model. Learn from this. (laughs) I think about that all the time. (laughs) Learn from this. And that's a great example too, of things that (laughs) someone could say is a, a silly thing or a, crazy thing because it's you know reality tv or people call it junk or whatever mm-hmm. and i think that uh, people do rob themselves a lot of um profound moments mm-hmm. and lessons by saying well that's not of the grade of material that i'm supposed to enjoy or put value in i think anything that resonates with you it resonates with you and so therefore whether it's a vhs a copy of something mm-hmm. over a dvd or it's a giallo or yeah it's next top hey, model look it's good to be well-rounded yeah. Anyone that's too hoity toity and only knows like top tier upper crust material, I don't think is like that interesting. They never are. They, they never, never are. are. You know, high low. That's right. I, I just mentioned this on the episode <laughs> with Grant, uh, Brian Ferry's quote about I love high culture and low culture. Yeah. It's the stuff in between I, I have no time for. I agree. Yeah. Mediocrity just bores me. <laughs> Which you know leads us actually into the unzip thing, which we could, we could because uh, I think he says he, he says exactly, exactly that. Yeah, that's exactly which right. I've just watched, so maybe I'm, I'm just like absorbed. We're just that. yeah, we're just quoting the yeah. film. We're actually just doing all the lines from the film. So this entire show, yeah, we threw our names in there mm-hmm. instead of Nina and Isaac and um, Gautier. Mm-hmm. To talk about that, we're going to have to get into that episode, and I think that that means that we're going to end this one. Okay, all right. Sam, it's really been a delight oh, it's to so have good to see on. you and chat. So, I know on many tangents. Absolutely, I hope we'll, we'll do it again soon. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, this has been you. You invited me onto the show like <laughs> I don't know five years ago. I, I know before the show happened. Right. Yeah. So and then I, the first time we had to bump you because Maria Bamford only had like a ninety-minute window, mm-hmm. and then one of us was traveling. I can't remember. Yeah, the there was always something. Yeah. Always something. But I get it. I would bump me for Maria Bamford. Oh, I hated to do it too. You remember it. I said, I'm really sorry about this. No, I understood. But you said, no, I would you should. love to, I would love to spend an hour and a half with Maria Bamford. It was a good time. Going on a I'm time not time. saying it was better than talking to you. I'm just <laughs> saying it was a good time. You know, it was a scheduling conflict. That's all. That's a, that's one of those showbiz things that's real. Sometimes people say scheduling conflict and it means, oh no, no, they hate each other. Sometimes when people <laughs> say scheduling conflict, they're really um, locked inside their house doing an eight ball. Or exhaustion. Hospital for exhaustion. Did you yeah. ever go to the hospital for exhaustion? No, I never did. But maybe oh, I should damn. have. <laughs> <laughs> you, you still could, just for fun. <laughs> just for fun. You could have it on your resume. Yeah. Yeah. One last thing about that, actually. Was it one of those situations where it was a known thing in the industry in the way that Amy Winehouse's predilections were obvious or like Pete no. Doherty or anything? Or was it kind of kept to a close circle of people? No, I was very secretive and like very, you know, kind of keeping up appearances. And after I left the my previous manager, my manager, my second manager at that time also managed Amy Winehouse. So we were kind of under the same, we were under the same management. You know, when I disclosed to him what, was kind of going on behind the scenes it felt kind of like a non-event he was just like oh well just get it together did they not understand the severity of it 
Well, I mean, look at the context. Well, there that's very true. Yeah. That's very true because unfortunately Amy Winehouse's situation was a rapid yeah. descent. Yeah. Uh, that very was public. Way too public. Wasn't yeah. the the some journalist like just went to her house and she invited them in. Yeah, and, and she it, had like tinfoil everywhere and And there was like pictures of it. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll get into the the next chapter of things with you about that. I'd like to have you back again, yeah, sometime soon, and we'll get yeah. into more because you have a very rich and storied career and also personal life as well. So I love to talk shit. It's, this is the magic combination. <laughs> yeah, this is the magic combination. So, all right, so folks, if you'd like to hear us go off on other tangents, sort of related to a film, but mostly related to the film, yes, just about as much as we did on this episode, come on over to uh, patreon.com slash Craig and Friends for the movie club and you know yeah. other movie clubs coming up i'm doing dario argento's phenomena with goth charlotte i also have never seen that oh you'd love it as long as you're not bug averse or insect averse no i'm not i kind of am but i toughed it out through this one and i'm glad i did i went to an argento marathon actually with tim and dd Dee Dee oh yeah ages ago at, was it at the beverly yeah the, the new beverly, beverly. Yeah. yeah yeah that was amazing and that was the final film of the night but it was like the american version mm-hmm. which i'll get into was it dubbed uh well the thing i love about all those argento movies are all the italian ones i i'll watch any movie with subtitles but for like the giallos or like the raunchy crime films they better be dubbed or i'm not watching them do you know what i mean it just adds an extra level of camp yeah exactly especially because there's usually one or two american actors in them that made their main money from going over there and being superstars in italy like henry silva or Charles Bronson essentially became yeah. famous in Japan yeah. and Italy yeah. before being famous here. And that's kind of what fuels the character of the Rick Dalton journey in Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. Um, so yeah, anyway. So we're talking now deep into movie stuff, movie tangents. The other one is there's a 20th anniversary movie club, uh, not of movie club, but of Hedwig <laughs> and the Angry Inch. Uh, fantastic film. And uh, Stephen Trask is going to be joining for that. Incredible. And Mike Potter. John Cameron Mitchell expressed regrets that he cannot, but he is, of course, filming Filming, Joe uh, Exotic. Joe Exotic. Did you see? I saw the still. (laughs) I could not believe it. It's. I mean, it's going to be an interpretation of the character. (laughs) Certainly, yeah. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. Oh, me too. And (laughs) I also like that Joe Exotic himself is upset. Did you see the No, was he upset about the casting? Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, let me find the thing because John Cameron Mitchell posted it and it was like a screen grab of a post. So I was confused as to what it was at first. Is Joe Exotic like tweeting from prison or what's happening? Is he in prison? Because I never watched that series. Oh, yeah, he's in prison. I, okay, that was one of those series where I remember doing a promo for the podcast. You never version. watched Tiger King? No, I never watched Craig. it. Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I never Craig, watched it. You gotta watch it. Really? Yes. You know what happens with me if I hear about something too much? I, I usually wait as well. Yeah, that's the <laughs> I thing. I get it. Yeah. If something's overhyped, I'll watch it in five years. But Craig, you gotta watch Tiger King. Okay. You have to. All right. I'll get into You're it. You're gonna be. Yeah. You gotta watch it. Well, now that John's gonna be in the movie, you have to see. It, it. gives me an easier way in. It's. You know what I mean? You, it's unbelievable. Because otherwise. I'll end up watching something like this terrible, terrible TV movie I watched called Brass. It's well, no, watch watch okay. Tiger King. Well, let me just tell you about Brass for a second. <laughs> so <laughs> this is never going to end. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, Brass is a garbage TV film that I think was a pilot for a series that never took, starring Carol O'Connor, um, aka um, what's his name from All in the Family. Uh-huh. You know the most famous character in TV, and I can't remember his name. Archie Bunker. Yeah. 
and he plays a hard-bitten police detective in Boston. But he's kind of a fixer, and but he's like multilingual. It's it's is it a TV movie? It's a TV movie. It is shockingly bad. But that's some of the stuff I watched in the middle of the pandemic. I would find the most garbage garbage to enjoy. But oh that, wait. Speaking oh my of god, garbage, we have gifts for each other. Gifts for each other. Okay, let me grab my bag. You have a lovely wrapped uh item, and I'm gonna grab my pavilions bag that I had to use in lieu of okay, actual go packaging. Get it. Now okay. mine is wrapped in um go, go okay, get okay. It. this is wrapped in Christmas paper because I've had this for so long. Let me take a picture of this uh I was going to give this to you last year. We both have had gifts for each other. We missed a couple. There's like a couple holidays and things. I unfortunately missed your wedding because of a a bad decision. Uh, (laughs) Oops. uh, Well, just things didn't go right. You were out of the country. I was out of the country on official business that I can't talk about because I am the sexual money penny. Right. As we discussed earlier in the episode. Yeah. wasn't money? I thought money penny was the sexual money penny, but I still want to be her rather than Q. Um, hang on a second. I have so many apps on my phone that when I go to go, the one I want, it's about a three minute process. I'm like my mom. Let's see here. Um, now I'm going to take a little video actually. So I wrapped this in Christmas paper. I found this at a at a thrift store. Yeah. And there was really only one person that this belonged to, and that was you. That's really lovely thank you now i'm gonna hand the camera over okay to the guest you're gonna open it and i'm gonna open it on camera okay he's notice i dropped the mic but kept the vape in my hand that's <laughs> that's where things are at okay he's unwrapping Excitedly. he's um i can't wait for you to see what this is oh my god yes <laughs> i'm now the proud owner of angela lansbury's positive moves a personal plan for fitness and well-being at any age Thank you, Sam Sparrow. I've watched the first 10 minutes of it. I think you're going to really enjoy it. This is wonderful. Now, it also thematically is related to what I have for you. Now, you know, this one's actually kind of wrapped. Okay, Okay. so we're going to hand the phone back. This is why I need mic stands. Flipping back to you. Bringing it back to Sam. Okay, wait, I'm putting my mic. Okay, you put your mic down. I'll I'll, uh, get your reaction on this mic. I like that it says fragile thank you um <laughs> i had that done custom oh, it's for you a clamshell okay what <laughs> wait it's murder she wrote collector's edition on clamshell vhs tape wait oh yeah <laughs> wait, well, with all the ex- we, yeah we, we both we bought both, each we, other angela lansbury content we on did VHS we tape. did this oh, is, hold up this the sleeve for this that. is perfect that's right wow <laughs> this is I love it. It's so good because we were talking a lot about Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> yes. I bought the entire box set. Is this one of the TV movies? Uh, what's or the title episode, of it? The Murder of Sherlock Holmes. That's the, it's an episode. It, it is, but it's a double length one. It's the pilot. Oh my God, this is amazing. And now I want to give you the second part of that because <laughs> it came as a set. Oh, so love it. There's I love two, it. There's two VHS there. Yeah, there's oh, two Murder, She this Wrote. This is great. So Merry Christmas, Sam. Thank you so much. Thank you, Angela. Sam. Have a merry Angela Lansbury Christmas. That's what I recommend to everyone. And uh, for those of you out there who have Peacock, get into Murder, She Wrote. And otherwise, just buy the box set. You're going to need to anyway. Is it not on Prime anymore? You know, I think the first couple seasons are, but on IMDb TV, which okay. I, I can't deal with yeah. IMDb. It, they, the random insertion of commercials makes me insane because yeah. they're always 10 times as loud. 
also during the pandemic, I'd be like, okay, I'm in a Columbo. I'm watching a Columbo. I'm, I'm taken away from the horrific reality that's going on. Then it would randomly insert like something that'd be like, hey, you can still have fun with your friends, though you can't see them anymore. You know, and there'd be people talking over yeah. Zoom like, yeah, the dog's okay. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I can't. So I just, that that's another box that I bought. I watched every Columbo. Oh, Columbo's great. Columbo, yeah, Columbo and uh, Murder, She Wrote. It's like, why are they always in the wrong place at the right time? <laughs> I know. And TV it, magic. It is TV magic. Yeah. Also, like, maybe Jessica was the culprit on some of those. I think she killed all those people. Especially the ones that are set in Maine. Yeah. I think that she, when she came back from New York after her big, uh, her big time days, mm-hmm. she started killing people off. She developed a taste for it. Yeah. Also, she had a lot of relatives. It's just insane, the storylines. <laughs> they are. The one at the drag bar in San Francisco is amazing. The drag restaurant. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Oh, my God. Jeff Conaway from Taxi. Amazing. Is in it, playing a straight actor who can only get work at this drag restaurant. I have seen this one. <laughs> it's in the first season, right? It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And um, I think I had skipped over it when I first started watching it. And then I was like, oh, my God, what have I missed? It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Because there's this all this, the first 20 minutes are like the wife being like, uh, Jessica, I almost said Angela, but Jessica, I find lipstick on his collar and there's makeup and blah, blah. Well, turns out he's, he's not having an affair. He's just a drag queen. Yeah. Just to make money for them so they can find, yeah. That it's, age old story. That age old story. And Jeff Conaway given his uh, most mediocre performance <laughs> that he could possibly muster. So anyway, it's folks, perfect. we're, we're going to move along to unzip now, but yes. thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And we'll talk to you soon.